This week, Friendshipping is brought to you by Tavor. Tavor is the app for fans of beer, craft brews, and trying new and exciting labels. You sign up in the app and can choose the beers you're interested in, including two new ones daily. Add them to your own personalized crate. Pay for the beers as you add them to your crate, then ship whenever you're ready. The price of shipping doesn't change with the size of your order. Tavor works with only independent breweries around the world. Download on the Apple or Google Store to try Tavor now. T-A-V-O-U-R. Use code FRIENDSHIPPING for $10 off after your first order of $25 or more. Tavor! I'm Jen. And I'm Trin. This is FRIENDSHIPPING! And the theme this week is... When your friends are being inconsiderate doofuses. What dingbats? (laughs) Friendship between humans has many benefits But sometimes there is drama and you want to call it quits Don't write nasty subtweets or punch them in the tits View friendship at the problem So we got a, a fantastic question that both Trin and I gravitated toward pretty, pretty quickly because it's, it's so, um, so interesting. A question from someone whose friends aren't being considerate regarding their food choices. The stuff they choose to eat or not eat at restaurants. And uh, we are excited to dive into that. And I hope you are too. But first, you have to listen to us banter. I mean, you get yeah. to listen to us banter. Lucky you. I'm excited for this question too, because there's so there are so many different reasons and different kinds of restrictions that people have on like what they eat and drink like this what we're going to talk about will apply to people who like you know don't drink alcohol or don't drink i don't know what what other things do people not eat and drink we'll we'll, we'll get there when we get there but like <laughs> I, yes i'm super stoked um jen let's talk about how we are doing how are you doing and i'm asking you this because i i know that you know as far as like theatrical beats go, I should be starting the banter, but I have found that I have really nothing interesting to say. <laughs> I don't either, man. I think it's a. I think we were a little wiped out. I think we both are because we're recording this at a, an end of the week, and usually we record at the beginning of the week. You know, when we're fresh, when we're so fresh and ready yeah. to take on the week. Now I feel ground to dust. Um, however, yeah. however, uh, I can feel the toast. That I can feel the carbs of the breakfast I ate. And the caffeine from the coffee I'm drinking starting to wake up my brain. And you know what? I'm starting to feel a little more optimistic. Hey, well, well <laughs> welcome, optimistic Jen. I'm happy to have you here on the Friendshiping Show. Jen, you and I have been like working too much, too hard, hustling uh, because we want to get things done. And wouldn't it be great if we didn't care? <laughs> oh, man, I wish I didn't care about stuff. I, I care so much. That's isn't that like the story of our fucking lives? It's like the whole the reason we do this show is we care. The reason we work hard is because we care. The reason I already ran my Roomba this morning and I'm probably going to run it again tonight, (laughs) even though I'm giving my house a full vacuuming is because I care. And that is so annoying. What do you what's that specific care? Do you care that your house doesn't have cat hair? Like what's the specifics there? Thank you for asking, Jen. The reason why I care so much about slurping up the nasties that are all over my home is because I found out that I am deeply allergic to dust mildo, mildo, (laughs) mildo, like dildo. Um, I, I found out that I am deeply allergic to dust, mildew and mold. And uh, that is new information for me as of a few weeks ago. Yeah, I did not know this. Trin, you didn't. I don't think you told me this. Okay, good. Because so there's actually a weirdly happy ending with this. So 
So uh, I got an allergy panel done because I'm living in Texas now, and I wanted to know what in Texas am I allergic to? Let's find out. Great, great, exciting times. And I am allergic to dust, mildew, and mold. Like they, 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 they take you and they make, take your shirt off. And they stick you with stuff on your back. Oh, yeah. They do the sticky things. Yeah. They did the sticky things. I did not like it. It was not cool. Uh, But here's the good news. So as you know, when I moved, we had this whole kerfuffle with the car that we rented. And I had to give away all all of my houseplants. And (laughs) when, when you find out you're allergic to dust, mildew, and mold, the first thing your allergist says is, do you have any houseplants? You should get rid of them. Oh, no. Are you serious? (laughs) Oh, my God. Asking Trin if Trin has houseplants is asking, like, hey, you're the Pope. Do you know what Catholicism (laughs) is? Have you ever spoken about a saint in your life? Yeah. Um, yeah, but but that's the thing is like I have like an houseplant now. I have like just a, like a couple of them. So I was just like, uh, great news, Doc. Um, I don't have to deal with this uh, painful parting of me and my houseplants because it already occurred. I couldn't figure out why I was nasty all the time. It was just like the nasty dripping coming out of all the face holes. And it turns out it's because it's uh, three unavoidable substances that yeah. occur everywhere yeah. indoors and outdoors on the planet and i you know i'm having a great time with it jen i'll tell you i'll tell you that much oh my gosh are you on like allergy meds now are they helping yeah i uh jen i have a whole nasal cleansing routine <laughs> that i do in yes. the morning so you get this stuff like and like people without allergies they don't know about this because like like they're living in this whole beautiful bubble where the world is safe and uh nothing is out to insert itself into their face holes and make their life miserable but but when you have like allergies so i wake up in the morning and i wash my face and then i get out this Arm and Hammer saline spray, and I stick it in my schnoz, and I slurp it around both sides, and I then I <laughs> and just blow it all out. <laughs> and then, um, and does that does that help? No, that does not help. But it clears the way for the thing that kind of helps, which is the stuff. It's like nasal, like it's not. It's like a cortisone nasal spray. Do two pumps, two pumps in each side, and then you also take a pill. And uh, here's the thing, Jen, it works. But it doesn't work good enough for me to not have already uh, wiped my nose onto my shirt during recording because I don't have any tissues in this room. Oh, yeah. My husband has been amused the entire time we've been together because I always keep Kleenexes in my pocket. And it doesn't matter if it's a jean pocket, if it's sweatpants, if it's a jacket. I always have Kleenexes on me. It's because I always have allergies. Like, I think it's wild that, I mean, I really want him to check his Uh, Kleenex privilege. Like, I wish I didn't have to carry Kleenex on me all the time. This sucks. So, you know who I hate a lot? (laughs) Who? I don't. I mean, hate is a strong word, but uh, people who never need chapstick, ever. Oh, come on. Those people are real. They never need chapstick. Connell is a person who has never in his life needed chapstick. And I believe it's because he grew up in the dry, cold tundra of Edmonton, Alberta, Canada. And there, his lips, it was like, you know, I, I, uh, I, was, I am part of the dryness. I was like yeah, raised in it, he, he molded, was molded by, by it. it. <laughs> right, exactly. So I think that that must be why. But uh, yeah, like, you know, other than um, constantly leaking, uh, I think I'm doing okay, you know? Yeah, I'm glad to hear that, Texas Trin. By the way, is it okay if I call you Texas Trin? 
Um, let me think a moment. Yeah, I'd say so. Because just Texas is a fun word, first of all. It's got an alliteration, Texas train. However, I feel it's very important to ask permission before you just bestow someone a nickname. I appreciate that. Like, don't call me Tex. I don't think I'm like that. <laughs> I don't no, think I'm I that do hard that. in yet. Nah, nah. I don't, I don't know if you've, nah, not yet. Not yet. Maybe what? let's check back on that in a couple weeks and see and see if you've evolved. My favorite thing to tell people about Texas is um, close your eyes. Now picture Texas. Okay. Great. Now, now you know what Texas is like. Great work. You've done it. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever you've pictured is probably accurate. <laughs> That's amazing. I pictured a little armadillo. Do you know that armadillo means little armored one? Oh, thank you, Jen. That was a really fun fact. Uh, <laughs> it is good. It is good to share fun facts with your friends, just like it is fun to share dinners with them. But those things require more effort. And we're going to talk about that today. That was the transition to the question. Oh, Nailed shit, it. I read this week. Yeah, yeah. Okay. All right. Dear friendshiping, a couple of years ago through a mutual friend, I was kindly absorbed into an already close-knit friend group. They went to college together, lived with and near one another since, and shared the same cultural background. So I always appreciated being included, though I had to work harder to be on their radar. One day, we were hanging out and wanted dinner. So I thought we'd choose a spot on the way to where we were going, but they stopped in front of a place with a long wait and a very limited menu. I have religious dietary restrictions that they knew about. There's just a few things I can't eat. And I couldn't eat most of the menu. Plus, the restaurant didn't make substitutions. When I brought it up, they asked if I could just make it work. So I committed to the one possibility on the menu. When we were finally seated, it turned out the restaurant ran out of that. And before I could say anything, one of the group tried to order something else for me that I didn't want. The group suggested as an alternative that I leave early or get takeout somewhere else to eat at home. After this happened, I wasn't motivated to spend time with them, and the group thread with me in it went silent when I finally stopped actively participating, which made it feel like I never really belonged. I haven't heard from them since. Now that life is starting to open up again, I think about this sometimes. My other friends have always been so considerate about my dietary restrictions, but how do you handle dietary restrictions when you're the odd one out in a social group that's much less understanding? Pronouns she, her. Uh, okay. So I really wish that we could read this incident at the restaurant as a one-time mistake. Because your friends, even your closest friends, will mess up about this kind of thing. They will randomly choose a last-second restaurant and pull you along without thinking, like what happened here. Or they'll forget that you have an allergy or that you don't eat seafood or that you sunburn easily and that you can't, you cannot have a picnic outside in the sun. Your friends will focus more on what's uh, on the event rather than like the restrictions surrounding the event. Friends make mistakes like this. Even considerate people do inconsiderate things all the time. But that's not quite what this is, is it, Trin? Like this is not a one-off incident. Yeah, this seems like a, a piling of different mistakes. I mean, when you go through the question, it's not just that they didn't put the thought in to find a restaurant that this person could enjoy themselves at. Because ultimately, you know, when you go out to a restaurant, it isn't really about eating exactly the food that you want. It's about everybody having a nice time together. And if somebody in your group can't fully appreciate the experience, then it's really not worth doing. So that was the first mistake they made. And then, uh, you know, this uh, the asker brought it up. 
and they were like, why don't, why don't we just make it work? Can't, what if you had less religious dietary restrictions for a temporary time? And then the, then the, the asker was like, oh, okay, I'll do my best. The worst part, in my opinion, of this was when one of the group tried to order something else for the asker that, uh, that she didn't want. That's really fucking frustrating because when you have dietary restrictions, and as everybody knows, I'm a vegan and, you know, my dietary restrictions are different from somebody who has religious dietary restrictions, but they're still really important to me. So I can kind of talk from that uh, perspective. But of course, like, let's be very, very upfront about the fact that being vegan is different than from having religious dietary restrictions. And I respect whatever you, you are doing with your foods. I think that's one mistake that people who do not have dietary restrictions tend to make is that the person with dietary restrictions will eat whatever it is you give them as long as they follow those dietary restrictions. Right, right. As though they have no personal preferences at all. Like, that's the most ridiculous. Like, it's a little dehumanizing, honestly. It's like you are a set of parameters and not a person who has feelings about what they want to eat, you know? Oh, yeah. Well, the place is salad and fries, Trin, so you'll be fine. You, you couldn't possibly be sick of salad and fries, right? Honestly, uh, Culver's salad and fries, I can usually give a thumbs up to. But yes, in general, in my life, salad and fries. And also, lots of fries are not even vegan. Right. So I know. Kind of like, fuck. You know? Right. So being the odd one out in a group can look a couple different ways. You know, you could feel like the odd one out just at social gatherings where you eat food. And I, I'm sure that the asker knows this, but I think it's important for everyone to know. There are things you can do to advocate for your needs. And this asker clearly at least did some of the advocating because your friends knew what you wanted. You mentioned that this was not your preference and they decided to make this choice anyway. So fuck those people. But uh, it sounds like you did at least most, if not all, of the things that one can do to advocate for oneself in this kind of situation. You looked at the menu. You found the one thing you wanted. They didn't have it. If I were in your shoes, I guess, again, our dietary restrictions are different. I think what I would have wanted my friends to do is have at least a couple of them, because it's a big group, break off with me to go to dinner someplace else. Because again, <laughs> the yeah. issue isn't like, oh, uh, let's go to a place where most of us can have a great time and one of us has a terrible time. No, it's like we go to a place where we can all have some fun and that's not what's occurring. Yeah, food is such a big part of my life, Trin, as you know. And to me, it's, it's like community, it's friendship building. But in order for that dinner table to be a true community friendship space, it does have to be inclusive of everyone at the table or everyone who could join the table later on. Yeah, absolutely. And let me tell you a quick story about a time where I kind of fucked this up, but not really. But the, the, the purpose of this scenario is to give you uh, listeners an idea of how this can go wrong. So if you follow me on Twitter, um, you probably know that for a very long time, my Twitter display name was Vegan Mortensen because I thought it was very funny. So good. Thank you. It's like the best joke I ever made. So it was just my Twitter uh, name for like three years because like I can't get rid of this. I can't use my real name. Anyway, so um, a friend uh, asked me and Jen to go get um, dinner because uh, uh, he was visiting Chicago for the first time and wanted to go to this specific restaurant. And in my head, I was like, well, we know each other from Twitter. So you know that I'm vegan. You have to because it's in my profile. It's in my name, all this stuff. 
So I was like, so I was, I was too subtle. I said something like, ah, oh, yeah, I think I can eat a couple of things here and hoping that somebody would be like, oh, let's choose a different place. But I felt awkward because uh, this person specifically wanted to do this restaurant because they were traveling from out of town. But what I really should have said, because at the end of the day, we had a great time. Um, I got guacamole and like five margaritas. It was amazing. But our friend said to us like, oh, if I had known, I would absolutely have picked a different place because that's more important to me. So really, uh, on my end, what I should have said is, I am vegan. I wonder if we could eat at a different place, perhaps. What if we choose from one of these selections? Because, you know, I'm the person who lives in the city, so I could be the person who gives the suggestions. So, So that's how things can go wrong on the end of the me or the asker. But that is not what happened here. The asker was great. Yeah, I mean, it sounds like they were as clear as possible. And it's not like they were having a one-on-one conversation. In, in explaining the scenario to it, I noticed they said they stopped in front of a place with a long wait. Um, when I brought it up, they asked if I could just make it work. So I committed. So it seems like this person is kind of, so to speak, battling the group. And that's really unfair and really, really not cool. Yeah, absolutely. The fact that the asker didn't have any advocate within the group is that sucks and that's not fair. And and like Jen said, it's important to remember that people are ultimately selfish and concerned about other stuff. It is not nice when people forget to consider your needs in perspective. They really should do this, but they often fail to. But the most charitable interpretation of these friends, the fact that like like the group chat fell off after this, uh, etc., is I think that they are embarrassed that they put you in this situation and they are waiting for you to say, don't worry, it's cool, guys. This is not your job. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I agree that that could be a possibility. I also agree it's the most charitable one. Only the asker will have an instinct if that feels right, because they also could have absolutely no idea that they messed up. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, even if they were waiting for you to say, sorry, this is just a possibility, that's not the right move. <laughs> no, no, it's not. <laughs> it's a super common mistake when you hurt somebody to wait for them to give you a signal about what you should do. But the real adult thing that you should do when you put someone in a difficult place is not wait for them to tell you, oh, you've hurt me, please apologize, or oh, you've hurt me, but it's fine. Really, you should apologize and then see what happens, then listen for their signals. And that is not what this group did. Um, And I super support the asker just leaving these people behind. Yeah, I agree because... I feel like this example of what happened in the restaurant indicates a larger problem here, which is like, you feel left out, you don't feel included, and they're not making the effort that you deserve. Because like you started off, you included some very interesting background information, which was, I was kindly absorbed into an already close-knit friend group. I agree, it is very cool to take on new members into a friend group. I like when friend groups grow, um, when they, especially if someone's new to the city, new to the area, new to the region, like, hey, we, you have a built-in friend group here, join us. I think that is cool. However, you do have to commit to being consistently kind to that person. And if you can't do that, then they don't belong in the, like, you, then you've, you've kind of messed up then. The ultimate question was, how do you handle dietary restrictions when you're the odd one out in a group that's less understanding? I would say you don't have to deal with people who are less understanding. I'm sure that there will be situations where you have to go out to eat with people that you don't love, who don't love you, like a work gathering or something like that. And I feel like you probably have a decent handle on how to handle that. 
Like if you are forced to go to a like a wedding where you're pretty sure they're not going to like give you the food that you want and it's somebody else's fucking wedding, you bring your purse almonds, you know, like I've said on the, on the show before. And that sucks and it's not fair and it's the worst. But when you're with a group, I mean, consider what your other more considerate friends do to deal with your dietary restrictions. And I see yes, deal very yes. gently because it's not like a big fucking deal at all. I would guess that your kinder friends wouldn't pick some random ass restaurant at random because they think it's hip because there's a long line. I would guess instead they put some work in ahead of time to make you feel included, just like anything else. Yes, we all fuck up sometimes, but there's like multiple mistakes happening here. The lack of apologies, the fact that someone tried to order for you, it really speaks to a larger problem of just being not super considerate or mindful of your situation. And I'm so glad to hear that you have other friends that are better about this. They are setting the standard for your other uh, other friends that aren't treating you as well. And because you asked, how do I deal with this uh, being the odd man out in other groups? The reality is that it's not like something to deal with. It's not a big deal. And it's something that you mutually deal with, quote unquote, deal with, with your friends because your friends should care enough. Like, for example, I have a very dear friend who's allergic to cats. And when I lived in the same city as her, if she ever came over to my apartment, I would vacuum the absolute bejesus out of the place more than I even would just for myself and my own allergies. (laughs) You know, Um, like I broke my foot. So my partner is not asking me to take long walks around Texas with him. We put these things into consideration because we love one another. It should never be 100% your job to solve this. I know. I am so, my heart hurts a little because the question was, how do you handle dietary restrictions in a social group that's less understanding? Uh, You don't need to handle anything. Your friends are the ones that need to make the adjustments here. Yeah, because the only thing really that you can do is... State your needs and boundaries, like we always say. My needs are, I want to go to a place where I can eat at least one thing that I enjoy. And if they don't have that thing, I don't really want to stay at that restaurant, guys. I just want you to be aware. So if we're going to a place where there's only one thing I can eat on the menu, heads up, that's a little dangerous because if they don't have it, I don't really want to stay. (laughs) That's something that you could say out loud. Honestly, though, like it's just it's bizarre to me that your friends would be like, yes, let us go to this fancy place where you can have only one option. It just it's just not fair and, and it's not nice. Yeah, like unintentionally unintentionally or unintentionally, they made you feel weird for something that is not weird or not bad at all. Your friends don't need to memorize your food habits. Like, that's not a thing that you're asking someone to do. But they do need to be considerate and mindful. Like, point blank. That's what friends do for each other. Honestly, I feel like a close group of friends who love you, if you said, you know, there's only one thing I can eat at this place, that would be enough for them to pick a different restaurant. It should be, at least. Unless you're really, really stoked on that one thing that you can eat at that place. Yeah, exactly. Unless you're like, oh, I'm so excited to order this thing. I would love to go here. And you say that with enthusiasm. Then you, then your friends say, okay. But absent that extremely uh, strong endorsement, the answer is no, we're not eating here. Like, no, let's find a place where we can all get a meal. I don't want to uh, just this is just uh, Jen Jen's editorializing here. It is so important to take care uh, and fill your belly. OK, like um, like I, I started this episode in a 
uh, poor mood. And then uh, after the carbs I ate this morning and the coffee hit me, I'm feeling way better. Hell so yeah. like it is it is not it is not OK because it sounds like train reading reading through this question that they were on their way to some kind of event and they stopped at this place for food. Yes. So that means they were heading somewhere else. And maybe one person in that friend group wouldn't be able to get food before the next event. No, 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 no. No, you don't let friends don't let friends get hangry. It's not like they made reservations at this hip restaurant that they were really excited to go to. And you were like, great, let's go to this restaurant. It was, oh, there's that cool place we've all been wanting to try. The, the, the fact that it's cool and we all want to try it is so much more important than your religious dietary restrictions. That is the choice that they made. Yeah, not cool at all. It's that they made that decision like it's more important than we eat than you eat. <laughs> and yeah. I just can't I can't wrap my head around that. That is so man. And I know in the moment they weren't feeling that way. They were probably feeling awkward and rushed and, and they wanted to eat and, and get on their way to whatever their next thing was. But it's in those moments that character is revealed. <laughs> yeah. I was also thinking to myself, I wonder if the asker had other issues with this friend group feeling like the odd one out beyond just this restaurant situation. Right. And, and that's something that you might figure out in retrospect, because like there are little weird microaggressions. I think that microaggressions would apply to you, but not like me as a vegan. Like, here's an example. So uh, <laughs> I'm writing a game that uh, has like questions that you ask everybody and they like you have to answer with a number. And I wrote the question, how many different kinds of animal, how many species of animal have you eaten in your lifetime? <laughs> and, and everybody that's in the funny. group was like, oh, my God, that's so funny. And I'm so glad that you wrote it, because if anybody else wrote it, we would have to pass. We'd have to, like, you know, pass it back to you to double check. And I was like, thank you. <laughs> you know, like this is the opposite of this bad situation. This was they were pleasantly surprised that this also worked for them. And then we like kind of move forward from there. But if your friends are like, and again, I'm going to use myself as a vegan just because I don't know what your dietary restrictions are. And I have to say this a million times because it is so important. Your dietary restrictions are different from mine. And that's good and cool and fine. But we're not conflating the two. But if, if for some reason they were like constantly being like, Trin, why don't you put some ham on that sandwich? I've had friends like that. <laughs> like, like yeah. I'm a meatitarian. Like, that's just like such shitty, dumb little things that, again, they don't count as microaggressions towards me, but it's a way to make me aware all of the time that they are always thinking about that thing that is different between me and them. Yes, man. And I know, I hope um, in answering this question, I don't come across as someone who's like got this all figured out. Because as someone who loves food and has no restrictions at all, I know I have messed up about this before. I have accidentally said something insensitive or I've, I've commented on what was on someone's plate. And a good rule of thumb I've learned is like, just don't do that. Don't comment on what other people are eating or not eating unless it's like, I don't know, uh, they're asking for enthusiasm and you reply with your own enthusiasm. But like for the for the most part, like it's none of your business. It's it's the what your your friend's business here was to make sure you were able to eat and enjoy yourself and partake in this group event. Jen, I think it's so important when um, you and I mention the fact that we've made similar mistakes like this before, because, you know, we we are really annoyed at your friends right now. But I think we can all agree they're not like terrible fucking monsters unless they are for a, a more different reasons that are not listed in this question. You know, I've done the thing where I've heard a person did not know what to do, so waited for them to say something. And gosh, yeah. and now I know that's a really bad move, you know? 
And that's okay. You can go through the pieces of this and say to yourself, man, that's an understandable mistake, but one that I really don't want to fucking deal with. <laughs> you know, you can say to about, you know, a, a friend, an ex-friend, like they made a human mistake. They've even maybe made a mistake that I've made before, but they hurt me and I don't want to be around them. So I'm not going to. And you can absolutely make that choice. That is a fair and good thing to do for yourself. Oh, man. So true. Yeah. I, uh, I hope I, if Asker comes away with nothing else, it is so okay to never eat with these people again, to quietly leave the, the group thread, to do whatever you need. Because you, you got some valuable information about this group of friends that I, I say, listen to your feelings here. They're making you feel weird about something that is not weird. And I want to go back real quick to the, to the moment when one of the group tried to order something else that you didn't <sighs> yeah, want. Oh, man. Okay. So that is so cringy. But I almost wonder, and this isn't, this isn't saying this is okay. It's still not okay. I, I bet the person was like trying to smooth things over quickly and just get away from the awkward moment. So like, oh, she'll, uh, she would love to have this, right? That's cool. Man, that is such the wrong move. But I wonder if it was well-intentioned. But you know, it really doesn't matter to the asker because you don't need to pick this apart and find out what they were thinking or what they were hoping to do. You only need to pay attention to their actions. And you got a lot of information from how they, how they acted. Oh, man, you're totally right. That is a very common mistake for people to make. It's something I think is in particular non-men deal with um, in that non-men tend to have the responsibility to make a situation peaceful. And it's, I think it's a trauma response. I mean, just like living in society. And again, none of this explanation means that you have to reach out to this person and be their best friend. That's not what we're saying. But we want to make sure that you know that it's not that you're going to walk through the world and people are going to be cruel to you. It's that their people will make mistakes and you don't have to be around them. But the, the instinct to avoid conflict or smooth things over is almost never a good way to go. Because as we've said on the show before, sometimes conflict is, is the situation. Sometimes you have to let the conflict play out. And if this person had let you say like, oh, no, I, I don't want that. And, and actually, uh, no, the, this conflict exists. This conflict is real. Um, it's not going to go away. And the only thing that we can do is like leave and go someplace else. Um, yeah, it sounds like she just wanted a peaceful experience for everybody instead of advocating for the person who is actually being hurt. Yeah, I, I think that's totally it. That's that's really what I'm reading to this question. And imagine if the person had, um, instead of smoothing it over, they had listened to the awkwardness of the moment. Maybe they would have realized, oh, we made this awkward. Yes. You know, they might, if they had slowed down, said to the wait staff, hey, we need a minute, talked it out maybe admitted to themselves how they got into this awkward situation, the truth could have come to the light instead of smoothing over all this awkwardness. Oh, man. And who wants that, really? You know, it's like, like <laughs> I know. Who I know. wants to be confronted with the uh, consequences of their actions? Nobody wants to be hoisted by their own petard and, and the hoisting themselves by their own petard, you know? Oh, I hate it when you get hoisted by your own petard. No one oh. likes to be hoisted. <laughs> So, so let's talk about the future and, and how you deal with this in the future. My guess is that you will deal with this less often now that you don't talk to these people anymore. You said in the question that you have other friends who are more considerate, and those are the people that you're going to go out to dinner with. I am not going to say that you'll never be in this situation again, because again, these are common, common mistakes. But I do feel like having been through this situation and having found it so fucking irritating because it was 
I would guess that you will be firmer and and be the one to say, friends, you fucked up, you know? And again, it sucks. It should, it, the, that work should not fall to you. But in these situations, unfortunately, a little bit of it will. You know, as we as we start to finish up this question, Sharon, there must be one of the I'm picturing like three other people in this friend group besides the asker. At least. Surely one of them noticed that they messed up. Yes. Like there's no way that many people are that clueless, right? Like, oh, and like no one no one seems to be taking responsibility or, or even nudging this in the right direction. And for that reason, I I really think that well, the asker can do whatever they want. They have they have should have all the decision making power here going forward. But if they eliminate themselves from uh, this friend group, or if they decide to never eat out with them again. So, so understandable. Why not eliminate that stress and uncertainty in your life? Because um, you deserve better. I also, before we close, wanted to make sure that we talked about the fact that you said, um, I haven't heard from them since. Now that life is starting to open up again, I think about this sometimes. I can imagine that being a really aggravating, sad thought for you to deal with every time it pops up. And I understand the, the need to replay it and think to myself, I should have said this. I could have done this. I could have gone hard as hell. I could have brought out some choice cusses. But I would strongly recommend that when this thought pops up, look at it and let it go. Because we can't make that situation good again. I don't want you to think that there are so many lessons to be learned from how these people hurt you. Really, it's just they hurt you. It's that's it. I I don't want you to be taking on the work of I'm going to enter every possible awkward situation armed with words that that will make it good again, because it's not going to happen. I think you've learned everything that you need to learn from this, which is maybe you'll advocate a little harder. (laughs) Who knows? Uh, But the more important lesson is these people don't deserve you. So important lesson is you shouldn't have to. And Trin, I love what you said about every time this thought revisits you, try not to tear yourself apart over it because you were not in the wrong. And I know it probably, oh man, I have like a basket of these, of these memories that just come to me sometimes. I think everybody does. Just memories that like burn and eat at you. Um, this is like, I think it's just part of being human, unfortunately, rather than a robot. My greatest hope for the future of this uh, asker and uh, her friends is I hope that your friends look back on this situation and cringe. <laughs> oh, <laughs> you know? yes. Sometimes those cringy moments are so useful and important because you're learning something. Absolutely. And, and you know, I, I, I always say that, like, if you don't look back on any point of your life and cringe, you are probably not doing enough self-reflection. <laughs> you know, the people who are truly learning and growing will look back and be like, fuck, that was a mistake. My hope is that your friends are actively cringing and this is keeping them up at night sometimes. <laughs> but also at a certain point, um, and especially if, if somebody's listening to this and you've made this mistake before and you've been beating yourself up about it, remember that once you actually learn the lesson, you are so free to let that awful memory go because you are going to move into the future not making that mistake. That's what your brain's doing. Your brain is like, hey, remember that mistake? Whoa, that was bad. We're not doing that again, right? Right? And just agree with your brain. Yeah, we're not going to do that again. 
But I think that that's why it hurts us so much in retrospect, because we also see those mistakes commonly happen to other people and they make us upset, you know? And when you also see that within yourself, because of course it's the soup we're all swimming in, like we like to say, it, it's, it's, you know, in its own way traumatic. Um, but to harness that bad feeling and turn it into change and then say to that bad feeling, you have to go away now because I've, I'm going to do better. That's hard and that's adult and that's just the whole of life, right? And hopefully, Jen, um, I will incorporate this into my own life. (laughs) (laughs) I, I feel like I don't take our advice right away. But then every now and again, something will happen and I'll hear you, <laughs> you know, like being like, Trin, oh, we talked totally. about this on microphones. <laughs> it was recorded and broadcast on the Internet. And then, I'll, you know, I'll do better. <laughs> but like, uh, yeah, it's it, that's that's adulthood. That's being alive. It's making mistakes and always trying to do better. And that's the work we do. And until we leave this mortal plane. Well, it's time for us to leave this audio plane. This has been <laughs> Jen and Trin on Friendshipping. If you would like to ask us a question, you should uh, email us at friendshippingpodcast at gmail.com or you can go to our beautiful website at uh, friendshippingpodcast.com. There's a tab up top that says get in touch. Uh, give that little motherfucker a little click, a little clickety-doo, <laughs> and uh, fill, fill her out and, and send her over. Um, there's also a tab about our book. Uh, we like our book. You should read our book. Uh, and also, if you want to follow us on Twitter or Twitch, you can do such a thing at the same handle, which is at dofriendship. Ian, thank you so much for editing. You listeners will have no idea how trash this episode arrived at Ian's doorstep because he is so good at his job, (laughs) right? Like we had so many production issues. I'm sure you can hear my echo right now because we had to change locations. It was just so rough. Thank you, Ian. Uh, Thank you, Lauren Gallagher, for all of your design work. Thank you, Molly Lewis, for singing and creating our theme song. Thank you, Monica Verma, our agent. And uh, thank you, audience, for listening. You're welcome for talking. New friendship at the problem. I got so excited that we high-fived, basically high-fived at the same time that I forgot I have to be quiet. (laughs)